Welcome to She Will Lead with host Sheba Wilson. She Will Lead is a podcast that speaks to the heart and soul of women in leadership, the unique challenges we face, and how we can become empowered to overcome them and live every day above defeat. On today's episode of She Will Lead, Live Every Day Above Defeat, my guest is Marsha Flemings. We're discussing the topic, employee to entrepreneur, making the transition. Marsha Flemings built a career in the hospitality and travel industry that spanned 19 years. After reflecting on her own success, Averaging promotions every two years, she led a record number of her team to win top awards and in multiple promotions in the last half of her career, as well as she built a strong legacy in leadership. Her conviction to continue to help lead and inspire others, especially women, led to her pursuit of becoming a coach and launching her own company. Her first book, Letters of Love and Legacy, a mother's tale of her journey to her son, became a bestseller and held the number one spot in multiple categories on Amazon.com for three weeks. As a speaker, she has shifted audiences beyond motivation and into action. And she has had the privilege of speaking to audiences of more than 5,000 people. Her work has been featured on news outlets such as ABC, NBC, Fox, and CBS News. She's an alumni of Cornell University and the University of Technology in Kingston, Jamaica. She continues to equip herself to help others unlock their potential, move beyond limiting beliefs, experience the professional growth they desire, and create legacy through leadership. Her most recent efforts include launching an online program for women to help them accelerate their careers. Welcome, Marsha Flemings, to She Will Lead. Thank you so much for having me, Shiva. Thank you. It is my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. So So let's Yes. So let's dive right in. Who is Marsha Flemings, the lady behind the name? And what would you like our listeners to know about you? Well, I'm going to stick to what I think is most important because I'm still learning how to talk about myself in a way that's comfortable. Um, I'm proud that I'm from the beautiful island of Jamaica. And I was raised by two hardworking, just decent human beings and they have completely shaped who I am today. I mean, my mistakes have also shaped who I am today because I've learned from those too. But um, my parents created a, a solid foundation. And yes, there are things that I've accomplished. I'm, I'm a best-selling author. I'm a leadership coach and career strategist. But aside from the titles, like what I'm most proud of is the impact that I'm able to create um, in the lives of the people that I'm connected with. And that's, that's the thing that drives me. I am, I'm, I'm grounded in my faith, but I'm driven by my desire to create impact for the women I work with, 
um, whatever teams that I lead in the life of my son and any generations to come, that is the the biggest thing to me is to, to live a life of impact. Awesome. You know, that's very inspiring. It seems to me that you know your purpose and that you are, are working towards that on a daily basis and ensuring that you leave a legacy of creating leaders, in particular female leaders. Yes. Um, I, I find that purpose unfolds because different seasons of your life uh, there are different things for you to accomplish, but I'm definitely tuned into what I should be doing in each season of my life. So for sure. Okay. So you you built a career in the hospitality industry. So tell us about your career journey and the growth you experienced during your years in the industry. Um. I have to start with the fact that I did not intend <laughs> to be in hospitality. Um, at the time when I started, I was 21 years old. And truth be told, even though I had, I had gone to college, I'd studied business administration, majored in finance. And I was truthfully waiting for another opportunity when the opportunity presented itself to work with the Caribbean's leading uh, all-inclusive or luxury included chain of resorts. And I took it because it just came sooner than the other opportunity. But it really was not the industry that I was locked into. And I am typically the type of person from early childhood, when I enter into something, you are guaranteed that I'm going to be throwing my whole self at it. And I'm also going to be looking ahead. So I'm constantly thinking, okay, what's at the end of this journey? What is this going to produce? What's going to come after this? I'm always looking forward. So those two things contributed heavily to the success that I experienced because I was throwing my whole self at it. I was very committed. Being a young girl with no obligations really at the time, it allowed me to just get lost in the work. And I think that in an industry that demands a lot of you, that said something about the work that I do. And also because I was looking ahead, I was considering within myself, what's next for me? Where is this leading? And I was not afraid to have those conversations with the decision makers. I believe a lot of those things um, significantly impacted the path that my career took and, and how it grew. Yeah, you know, you. Your story really resonates with me as a female leader in hospitality. And I quite understand what you're saying when you say that, you know, it wasn't the first choice. I think most of us who, who have been in hospitality and who have really excelled, it was never our intention to be in the industry. But once you, once you get into mm -hmm. hospitality. I, I think you just have a love for the industry and, and it's very challenging, but also very rewarding yes, as you would have experienced sure. several promotions throughout your career. Mm -hmm. And, and I like that you highlighted that you weren't afraid to have the conversations because that is something that is so important. I say to people all the time, you know, you, you have to raise your hand. You have to express your interest and say that Absolutely. this is what... Yes. And I think as females in particular, sometimes we're afraid to have that conversation and to say to, mm -hmm. to our, our bosses that 
this is what I aspire to. This is what I'm working towards. How can I prepare? What do I need to do to be able to get to that next level? And that's an important conversation to have. Yes, you you are spot so on. So you are also as, yes, you're also an author. You mentioned earlier that you're a best-selling author. And I want to know, like, how did you, with with so much going on in, in terms of your career, and you're also a mother, uh, how did you decide to write a book? And, and what is the book about? Okay, so one of the first things, I think at eight years old, there were three different things I said I wanted to be. But the first one that I ever connected with was that I wanted to become an author. And that's because writing was so natural to me. I was already writing poetry at that age. And at that age had said that I would publish my first book at the age of 21. And I always add to that, that that says a lot about my thinking at the time to think that I had to wait that long. But Mm -hmm. it's something that has always been natural to me. And over the course of, um, well, the 30 years from eight years old to the 30 years it took to actually bring that to fruition, I was always writing, but always would pick my work apart and always felt like it wasn't good enough. Um, No matter what anybody else had to say about it, (laughs) I was just Mm -hmm. really critical of my writing. And what made this particular book come to fruition, it is called Letters of Love and Legacy, A Mother's Tale of Her Journey to Her Son. Um, This book came to fruition, I strongly believe, because I didn't start out with the intention for it to be something that I would publish. Once I confirmed that I was pregnant, um, at the very end of 2015 was when I confirmed it. It was my Christmas gift, in fact. Um, I just knew that instinctively I knew that I needed to the all the lessons that I would have learned in life all the things that I went through the good the bad the ups the downs I wanted to make sure that no matter what would happen my son would have access to all of those lessons and because writing comes so naturally to me it's it's how I chose to to do that with him and in fact I wanted to make it a family thing. I wanted his dad to be writing these letters. I wanted his grandparents to be writing these letters. And I was handwriting them at first. And I themed them. I themed them around gratitude. I themed them around your mindset about money, um, aligning with the right relationships, around faith and why I believe what I believe and the different experiences that I went through that caused me to, to stand on the foundation of those principles. And I couldn't... It just wasn't working out to get anybody else in the family to write one of these letters. (laughs) On a flight one day from the Bahamas to Miami, it was March 2018. We were celebrating my dad's 60th birthday and and I was on that flight writing another letter. And it as clear as day, I heard the words, this is the book. And it was my mind at the time. And so I truly believe that to be the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I stopped writing. I mean, it it stopped me in my tracks. And so I stopped writing and I sat back in, in the airplane seat. And I sat with that because what I was writing to him was incredibly personal. And I was free to write that to my son because I wasn't holding anything back from him. But to share that with the world, to share it publicly was a different thing. And so by the end of the flight, 
I had just come to the point of I know what obedience is when it comes mm-hmm. to faith. I know the responsibility that I have to be obedient. And so that kind of just solidified <laughs> yes. that. Um, and, and it was no question thereafter. So the book is basically a collection of those letters. Each chapter focuses on, you know, things that I've mentioned, faith, owning your I am, owning who you are, presenting the best version of yourself, um, aligning with right relationships because your relationships are your roots, um, you know, your mindset are mm-hmm. Each chapter focuses on something different. I'm speaking to the reader first about these principles, and then the chapter closes with, with the letter. Wow, that that is awesome. Um, you know, two things stood out for me when when you described the whole process of of uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and letting you know that this was the book. Um, <laughs> when you said that the the letters were very personal and you were free to share in that way because they were being written to your son. But the thing about leadership and about purpose is that it requires us to be our authentic selves mm-hmm. because that is what the the world needs you know and it's it's certainly something that has been lacking for a very long time authentic leadership people want to know your vulnerabilities they want to hear your true story and and i heard you say something else that connects with that and it's that you you know, you, you need to own your story mm-hmm. and i think although you might have had some hesitation or some reservations about sharing so vulnerably in the end, you owned your story and it's a story that needed to be told. And I'm sure that it it has had an impact on the lives of so many other persons that would have read it. So congratulations to you on that. Thank you so much. So we're going to go back a little bit to hospitality again. Uh, This time I want to know, You experienced a a level of great success in the industry. You were promoted several times. You created other leaders. Why did you decide to leave the industry and how did you know it was time to leave? Uh, So, yes, I, I did. For me, what I experienced in my career was more success than I could have ever imagined. Um, the first half of my career, I was averaging a promotion every two years And the last half, I was really focused on helping upcoming leaders, young professionals um, step into leadership, get those promotions, get the raises, and just help them to position themselves for for success. And truth is, years before I left, there was this kind of unrest. It was this, this feeling, consistent feeling inside of me that there was more, that I could be certain in a, in a larger way, not necessarily to be seen on a platform or a stage, but that I could be impacting more people. And in a way that my core responsibilities at an executive level in, in my company at the particular location, um, it wouldn't allow me to do that because Mm -hmm. the areas that I, I had direct oversight for, they were upfront and center. And these were high guest touch points. And, so that a lot of my responsibilities focused around that. But the part that brought me the most fulfillment was helping these young professionals grow, seeing them overcome the hurdles that would hold them back in, in how they executed, seeing them get those promotions and those raises. But the, the unsettling feeling just would not go away. And it was years 
And it was in fact having my son and again coming to the place of writing one of these letters. After I had decided that we would be publishing, I was home. This would have been the end of 2017. I was writing a letter and this particular letter was telling him about just completely believing in himself and managing his mindset because whatever thoughts he would hold in his mind about what he could accomplish would be what he would create in his life. And while writing that letter, I just thought to myself, hold on a second. If he observes you the way that you observed your parents, is he going to be seeing what you're telling him lived in your life? And when you know, achieving some success, I really was not taking, I was not taking the steps that I wanted to take. I was, I was still in fact limiting myself. And that was the thing that said, that caused me to say, okay, you now have to face who you really are, what you are really created to do and how you are going to make this change. And, and it was him and my desire for his life that really created the push for me to respond to this, this disruption that kept on happening inside of me. Wow. You know, uh, this, this is just, I, I, I'm like a sponge just soaking this, <laughs> this up because as you're speaking, like you're, it's just resonating with me. It's like you're ministering to me, you know, because I, I, I understand, you know, the, the level of discomfort that you feel when, the, when you know and you sense in your spirit that there's something more, that there is a bigger purpose. And I know personally that purpose is always way bigger than self. Mm-hmm. Yes, we set goals. You know, we set our individual goals for, for ourselves and for our lives. But when it comes to purpose, it's always about something much bigger than you. And hearing you speak about how you came to the point of making the decision, you're writing a letter to your son. And in that moment, realizing that you need to now practice what you're saying to him for him to be able to to learn that lesson and know that it is truth. And that is just amazing you know, that you came to that realization in that way. Um, you you spoke a bit about, you know, how, how you kind of made the decision to, to become an entrepreneur. Do you believe that the entrepreneurial spirit can lead a person to intrapreneurship within an organization to, to have that entrepreneurial spirit, but to utilize it in a way that's impactful and effective within an organization? Um, And what would you say are the advantages or disadvantages of of entrepreneurship? So I'm going to hesitate to speak on the entrepreneurial spirit because honestly, (laughs) I don't think I have it. I was just being obedient because I, I was so deep in prayer about even making this move because um, I had been doing hospitality for so long. I was well paid. I was the highest paid in, in that position company-wide. So everything was comfortable and I never, ever saw myself as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak of that spirit is going to be difficult for me because it's not truly who I am at my core. It's something mm-hmm. I've had to learn, but I can definitely see that 
I can see how that could influence someone who is in an organization. Now, I think the things to consider around that are how many organizations really provide that kind of opportunity for that level of creativity and, and innovation within their organization. And no matter what, it still has to be within the scope of what the company is willing to, to take on, right? So I think there, there's still some limitations in that. Certainly, yes. if, if the opportunity exists where a, a company and this person who has this entrepreneurial spirit, if the, if the projects or the, the ideas or the industries align, you know, if certain things align, then absolutely would be a good fit. Um, but ultimately, it is still within the scope of the company because mm -hmm. they, they call the shots. You know, they're, they're the final decision makers. So I think when you're talking about impact, when you're talking about legacy, um, and, I, and I'm, again, just coming from my perspective, it is just allowing free reign for your purpose to, to fully come what it's supposed to be. Yes, I, I quite agree. I think you will always have the challenge of uh, leadership in, in the organization having the final say. And so as much as you may have that entrepreneurial spirit, there will be limitations as to how much creativity or how much you're empowered to be able to do the things that you would want to do. And sometimes your vision is actually, um, your sight lines are, are a lot <laughs> longer and higher than, mm -hmm. than those persons that may be in leadership. And that in itself poses a challenge. So can you tell us a bit more about how you transitioned from employee to entrepreneur? What were some of the challenges that you personally faced in the initial stages of developing your business and, and how did you overcome them? So I started my business in January of 2019, so I was still working in hospitality. However, I had put a lot in place prior to then. So I'd say at the end of 2017, again, after writing that letter and having the epiphany that I did, I said, okay, what do you need to do? There are a few things that I asked myself. I asked myself questions that allowed me to clarify what really I believe my purpose to be in that season, who who am I, how am I meant to serve, and who are the people I'm meant to serve? And if I recognize that there was a gap, maybe there were some things that I would need to learn about the coaching industry to be able to, once I discovered it, <laughs> to be honest, mm -hmm. it's not something I was completely familiar with before. Um, and then I had to think of, okay, now that I'm going to be planning to transition out of this job, what are things that I need to put in place? Because I also have a child and I have to be responsible. So I put in place an exit strategy. And that looked like considering my finances, making sure that I was leaving at a point where I had sufficient save to sustain me for a certain period, just because you don't know what's going to happen in business. So it, it, there was a lot of planning. Basically, all of 2018 through to March of this year, when I, when I finally left, um, a lot of that was, was planning. And... I'd say some of the biggest hurdles, one of the biggest hurdles initially last year would have been that I was trying to do both simultaneously. I was trying to do my career and run the business, which some people are able to do effortlessly, 
But I think a few things were a challenge for me because the level that I served at within my organization, being a new mother and still learning mm-hmm. to that role and also starting a business without any entrepreneurial spirit, without any prior knowledge of the industry I was walking into. So that for me was the first hurdle in my business to overcome. I know that I'm fully into it. It is it is really operating in the space that 2020 is with the pandemic and everything that has happened mm-hmm. and learning how to position myself to really attract the people that I am called to serve. Yeah, that, that, that is a lot of, a lot of nuggets in there. Um, you know, you mentioned that some people do it effort, effortlessly uh, serving in their current role as well as building a business. I, I don't know that they do. I think it goes back to what we spoke of earlier, which is that a lot of times we don't see the authentic self. So it appears mm-hmm. as if, you know, they have it all figured out and they have it all together. But if they were to be candid, I'm quite sure that the challenges exist there as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, for those persons who are sort of on the fence about making that transition from employee to entrepreneur, what, what would you say to them? What advice would you give to them? I would say to them, the very things that I did would be the things that I would encourage them to do. I would ask them to get clear, clear about why is it that you're you are wanting to leave the space you're in? Why is it that you're wanting to leave the organization? Be very clear. And and each time you provide an answer, ask why so that you get to the core of why you are wanting to leave. Because I find that we're not the, the most honest with ourselves. We give ourselves surface level answers and not getting to the core of why we are doing something. So when once you're clear on why you want to leave that space, then become clear on what is it that I'm, I'm walking into? Where is it that I want to go? Why do I want to go to this place? Why do I want to start this business? Why is it this kind of business? Become absolutely clear. Clarity is something that you cannot have too much of. And then once all those things are documented in front of you, you're looking at them and you are comfortable with what is reflecting to you, create an exit strategy. Again, at the end of 2017, I knew that at some point I would be leaving but I did not turn in that resignation until January 1st, 2020. And I gave the company th- three months notice and left at the end of March. So it, it, it wasn't just something that I decided the end of December, 2019, mm-hmm. and the following month I was out, it took planning. And that was, yes. that was the way that I needed to do it because I needed to learn the industry I was going into. I needed to learn the skills. I needed to position myself and do certain things before just taking the leap. And and that's definitely what I would say. Make your exit strategy. What are the things that are Mm -hmm. affected and how can you plan and prepare for those things? Because I'll just say this, had I not, if I didn't have an exit strategy that included my finances and walked into 2020, leaving the job, not having the kind of savings that I have, and building this business and everything that's been happening, lockdowns, people, people not spending, then what kind of position would I be in financially? You know, so there's there's mm-hmm. merit to ensuring that you're planning and don't just don't just react. Yeah, I think I think that is very wise. You know, I know sometimes people just 
take the dive and and they just say, you know, I'm I'm just going to do it, you know, but I I think it's wise if you know if you're feeling sensing that you are going to make that move that you should have an exit strategy that you should take the time especially to determine your why mm-hmm. because you know that's the thing that keeps you going because no matter what decision you make, there are going to be challenges. And in order for you to overcome them, you have to be rooted, grounded, and understand why you're doing what you're doing. It has to be that important to you that you know exactly, precisely what is the the meaning behind all of this? Why am I doing this? So that when the challenges come, you're going to push through, you're going to, you're going to continue to, to plow and, and move forward because you know why you're doing it. And so that's, that's very, very good guidance. And what stood out also to me is 2020. There are some things that we just would not be able to anticipate all the more reason why we need to have a strategy we have mm-hmm. to have plans. We have to have savings because, you know, we just don't know when we're going to be faced with this level of a challenge. No That's one right. could have anticipated this. That's right. So what services do you currently provide and, and how beneficial are they in today's environment? So on the coaching side of it, I work with women to help them accelerate their careers. It's really to strengthen their leadership. And in so doing, they create the kind of impact within their organizations. And they also learn strategies about how to make their value more visible. So there's an opportunity to work with me one-on-one as a coach or through my group online uh, program, the Ultimate Career Accelerator Program. And I help women do just that, accelerate their careers. The thing is, Success leaves clues as we always hear. There's somebody that has done what you've done. They may have done it on a different scale, larger, smaller, whatever it is, but they've gone through an experience that can be beneficial for you. And I, I believe it is important. We can spend, we can, we can literally shave years off of our careers and off of our journey as an entrepreneur, as a leader, whatever the case may be, in terms of the impacts we want to create just by taking the opportunity to learn from somebody else. So that's that's what I help these women do to create strategies for them in their, in their careers. And then on the corporate side, I work with corporations to help their do leadership training. And I think these things are very important now. I mean, it's probably even more critical, um, specifically with women, you know, the conversation that has been there for years in terms of uh, pay gap and you know, women not being promoted at the same rate as men. And, and, and it is true and it still continues. But just in general, in this economy now, if a organization is contracting, if, if they're becoming smaller, they're, they're becoming tight on their, their expenses, they're going to be looking at who are the people who provide the most value in my organization. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be something even more of a concern for them. If, if an organization is expanding, they want to see who are the people with multiple talents and, and the ability to, to function in multiple capacities. They want to also be able to position yourself in an organization that may be larger, 
for your work to stand out, for your contribution to be visible to the people who are making decisions. And on the corporate side, um, everybody and everything is shifting with everything that is happening. So corporations absolutely need to invest in ensuring that leaders are not just focusing on the, the operation, but they are really taking the opportunity to look at who they are as leaders, how they're showing up, how are they impacting their teams? Because how they're impacting their teams directly affects results. Yes, absolutely. I quite agree. Actually, just this this week on on Monday, yesterday, I had a conversation pertaining to, and I don't know if it's the same in larger countries, but certainly in Turks and Caicos, I, I find that companies don't think infinitely <laughs> they, they, they're we're in the midst of a pandemic and the first thing that's cut is usually training and rewards and recognition it is the first thing that goes in a budget and at a time when engagement is going to be low because of just the climate that we're in you would think that that is one of the areas that you would focus more heavily on unfortunately we see the flip side when you you look generally and smaller countries in particular, um, you know, what What would you say to leaders who may be listening today um, about that? What What should they, what, why is it so important for them to continue to invest in development and training of their leaders and, and their staff? Well, if I'm speaking to an or, a group of leaders, what's, what's important to understand is that our teams are literally the persons executing. And we have to, it, it serves us, it serves the team, it serves the organization when we recognize that the more equipped a team is, not just from tools that they need to work with, but mentally, what do they think about themselves? How do they see themselves within the organization? What do they understand their ability to make decisions to be? Because as human beings, when we come to the workplace, we bring our whole self. So if we're not taking the time to look at our team and look at how we position them, how we cause them to think about themselves, how we cause them to think about the organization, how we cause them to think about the objectives, companies are literally shooting themselves in the foot and leaders are making their jobs more difficult. And it really should be a thing of the past where leaders think that, everything rests inside of them because you are literally burning yourself out. The more you pour into your team, you have a team of let's say 20 people and you are one person. You can never match the efforts of those people as long as you are equipping them on every single level, not just the tools that they need to work, mm -hmm. but in their mindset, in their thinking, in their decision-making skills, Pour what you have and what you can into them because it's going to multiply the impact. Absolutely. You know, leaders create leaders, you know, true, genuine leaders. Your job is to create other leaders. And that requires you to invest in their development, investing your time, your resources, just sometimes as simple as mentorship. 
sitting mm-hmm. with them, guiding them, coaching them to success. You know, those things go a long way in preparing your team members to take on new responsibilities, to be ready for promotions, and, and to empower them really to show their creativity and to give their best selves to, yes. to the work and the organization. So it's very, very important. And I, I hope that those persons who are listening would really take heed to that. Now we're we're in COVID-19 and a lot of people are saying, can 2020 just disappear? Can we forget <laughs> that 2020 ever happened? Right. Um, <laughs> so there have been a number of persons globally that have lost income, you know, they may be on reduced salaries or or they may have been terminated, lost employment altogether. What advice would you offer to those persons during this time? What should their focus be on right now? So I want to be very responsible in my response to this question because, I mean, the impact of what's been happening this year is just, it's, it's truly incredible. And when you think of someone that may have children, um, and the care that they can provide for, for their children, their home, all of these things are impacted. Mm-hmm. It's words sometimes are never sufficient. And everybody's the landscape of everybody's life looks different, you know, because different people were affected on different levels. And if there's one thing that I could use as advice, if I had to pick one thing, it would it would actually come down to goal setting. And here's why I say goal setting. It's And it's not necessarily the long-term goal setting. It's this season that you are in right now. Mm-hmm. What is it that you need to be working towards? For some people, it may be, okay, I, I need to get, a, I need to secure another job because I need to provide for X, Y, and Z. So your your goal right now, what's the one thing that you must be locked into? What's the thing that you need to be working towards? And, and give yourself the grace of understanding that if you had a plan for something larger that was set back because of this, it doesn't mean that you have to completely do away with that. You may have been set back a year, whatever the case may be, but it's okay to define a goal for this season to keep afloat. And that's that's the thing that I would encourage people to do is to identify what's the goal that you need to create for this season to get you taking one step after another and to keep you moving forward. Awesome. So, so very true, you know, and we we sometimes look at crisis and think that it's an equalizer. When I look at COVID-19, it's not an equalizer because everyone is in a different situation. You know, our finances are different. Our employment status is different. Everyone is dealing with something different. Our home situations are different. And so it, COVID hasn't equalized anything. If in anything COVID has done, it is it, it has highlighted what we individually need to be focused on in order to survive this period and also mm-hmm. prepare 
for what's to come. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the advice that you've given. And, you know, it, it has just really been a wonderful conversation with you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. I took a lot of nuggets myself. And so I'm hoping that the listeners likewise would be able to take away something from this conversation. And before we leave, I'll give you an opportunity to say any parting words and to let listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your book, and how they can get in contact with you for your services. Certainly. Thank you for the opportunity to share that. Um, So my book is available on Amazon. Again, it is the Letters of Love and Legacy, A Mother's Tale of Her Journey to Her Son. And I'm the author, Marsha Flemings. And you can reach out to me via my website. It's marshaflemings.com. That's M-A-R-S-H-A Flemings, F-L-E-M-M-I-N-G-S.com. And I'm available on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook under the very same name. And more than anything else, I, I live to remind as many people as I can that our lives ultimately becomes our legacy. The impact that we make on the people around us um, our legacy is not just down to financial wealth. It's it's who we are and how we impact another person and what that impact creates in them, who they become, so they go on to impact other people. So I just encourage us to live with the consciousness that how we live and the life that we create um, becomes our legacy ultimately. Thank you so much, Masha. Very, very wise words. Again, it was a great conversation and I am honored to have had the opportunity to speak with you today on She Will Lead. All the best to you. I thank you so much, Sheba. Thank you for the work that you do and all the best to you too. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of She Will Lead. Live every day above defeat. Follow me on Instagram at Sheba L. Wilson, Facebook Sheba Wilson, and LinkedIn at Sheba Wilson for more content on females in leadership and so much more.